the Purple Mafia with your host, Paladino Joey. Well, we'll see. The doctors would disagree, but what do they know? So let's just say that you'll pay me because it's in your interest to pay me. Is it worth it? I mean, you've won. You want to wipe everybody out? I don't feel I have to wipe everybody out, Tom. It's just my enemy. That's all. My father taught me many things. He taught me, keep your friends close, put your enemies close. These are wonderful things that we've achieved, and there's no limit to where we can go from here. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. Episode number 70 has finally arrived. It took about, oh, it took about two and a half years, but I finally got to episode number 70. And here we are on Sunday, September the 26th, 2010. And yes, right after the game, yet again, just like last week. And this time around, well, the Vikings finally, so we're going to use that word again, finally won a game. They defeat the Detroit Lions. 24 to 10 in a, uh, well, I won't say it was the most impressive game of all time, but it certainly wasn't the most depressing game of all time either. A uh, little sloppy, but we won the game. We looked like the better team. Detroit got snake bit, especially late in the game as things kind of wore on. You could kind of tell the Vikings had it and the Lions were sort of in a way mentally checking out as the game moved on. So that's pretty much the story of the game we're going to cover today. Uh, that's pretty much the gist. Other than, well, a couple other topics we're going to get to uh, very, very briefly. Other than uh, we're going re- to preview the New York Jets game. That's, of course, after the bye. That'll be the final topic of the day. Um, but after the game review, we'll talk a little bit about what took place at the wide receiver position this week. Well, there will be no Vincent Jackson on the Minnesota Vikings. God dang it. As, uh, yeah, the frustration will continue there. A lot of us are pretty frustrated. But the bread basket is in town. Hank Basket, whom the Vikings apparently had in their training camp roster in 2006, traded him for Billy McMullen, who did a whole lot of nothing. Of course, that was with the Philadelphia Eagles, Brad Childress's team at the time that he had just arrived from. <laughs> so, yeah, Vikings, that's the backup plan, Hank Basket. So, uh, no Javon Walker. Vikings just did not make a move on him. I, I guess they're done with him, I suppose. And, of course, no Vincent Jackson. We'll get to that after the game review. So, well, first and foremost, Purple Mafia is available on the sportsstuff.com and on iTunes. I might want to mention that for all of you. Uh, yes, we did have a call-in today before I insanely, stupidly forget to mention that, which I have done before, but that's a secret that you all know now. <laughs> Um, I won't do it very often, though, that's for sure. Yeah, Brent Jacobson makes his debut on Purple Mafia. So there you go. You finally get to hear Brent Jacobson. Uh, we're also going to get to your Facebook uh, posts and um, some of your tweets. I'm probably not going to get to all of them because the Twitter was uh, a lot more active today than last week, that's for sure. So uh, I'll get to some stuff on the Twitter. Of course, some of it's, I mean, most of it's in-game stuff, so we'll kind of get to the fun parts or the more big, the more major parts of the game, we'll say. So... Try to break that down as best I can on the fly here. Um, 
that's pretty much about it. So first and foremost, we're going to get to that call from Brent Jacobson now. Yes. Your old friend, Brent here. Uh, rumor circulating today, Thursday the 23rd, that the what PA's white horse might be retiring mid-season. Don't believe one word of it, but it, if that's the case, wheels on the bus are falling off. Uh, well, rumors and see. Brett looked old against Miami. I just hope that the addition of basket and the forthcoming bye week will help get the team back in, in the road. Otherwise, we'll probably can get a top 10 draft pick. Stay cool, Joey. Keep good work with Purple Mafia. I'm out. And I thank you for that call, Brent. Great to hear from you finally on the show. Um... Great to hear from you. Do keep calling in, by the way. Uh, got to a couple topics there. Uh, yeah, the audio is a little funky, but hey, I'll, that's perfectly fine. By the way, folks, the call in line is 209 736 7877. 209 Yeah, I mean, I understand partially because, shucks, I mean, you have to pretty much call from a cell phone or from Skype to really call that number if you're uh, because it's generally a long distance number and most people don't have long distance on a ground phone so um it's just one of those things and i'm's audio is a little funky and that's how it goes so uh yeah <laughs> that interesting little bit that you got to brent about far <laughs> retiring mid-season yeah that's that's definitely not going to happen though i there, there was a point i was wondering that also there it was floating around on uh, yahoo because there was like an article on Yahoo last week, right around Shucks Monday-ish, maybe Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday-ish, whatever it was, talking about how, you know, if they might, they might be, they might actually move Favre to the bench if he continues to play so poorly. Um, yeah, and Favre wasn't so great today either. He was a little better than last week, a little bit. He did get two more interceptions, could have been about four. We'll get to that shortly as we get into the tweets, because that's kind of when it's more like in-game stuff. Um, uh, but no, I, I, if Favre were to, let's, let's just say if Favre were to get benched, he would quit. I guarantee you Brett Favre would quit if he were benched for Tavares Jackson. There is no chance in hell Brett Favre would continue playing. But at the same time, I don't think that'll happen. I Because essentially, moving Favre to the bench is ending his career. He's done. You are giving up on the season. It's all over. Um, Tavares Jackson is not the kind of guy that can lead this team. I will continue to say that if he can't go again, if, if he's that bad against the first team defenses in the preseason, like a Brad Childers is saying, well, he's going against, uh, uh, he was going against the, the, the first team. Uh, Sage Rosenfels is going against second and third string defenses, so uh, it's kind of blown at his numbers a little bit. Um, but if you can't get better production against first team off defenses from Tavares Jackson, then he can't play. Because you're playing against first-team defenses in the NFL. Wouldn't that be safe to say in the regular season? So, yeah. Anyhow, yeah, I I, I agree with you, Brent, that, yeah, there's no way that Brett's going to just walk away like that. Uh, Favre has definitely looked old most of, the, <laughs> most of the year thus far. Still does. Still does. He still looks, I, I don't know, the word people keep saying is rusty. 
you know what? I hope to God that's all it is. But um, honestly, I'm not sure if it's rust or what it is. It's not not the best. It's not the most fluent I've seen Brett Favre play, that's for sure. Uh, Frank Basket, will he help? Well, I hope so. And yeah, if the Vikings did lose today, we are screwed. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Frank Frank Basket, did I call him that? Hank Basket? Yeah, he, he looks okay out there. Nothing special, though. He's just he's just another role player, really. He's just another Greg Williams. Who's He's, a, he's like another taller Greg, uh, Greg Lewis, excuse me. Greg Williams. Oh. oh, don't remind me of that name. New Orleans Saints defensive coordinator. Yeah, worst memory ever. Um, but no, yeah, um, the Vikings did lose this game. Of course they're screwed. There's no doubt about it. Uh, all we can do is hope that this was a building block. It was nice to see Favre kind of uh, wake up a bit when the Vikings defensive line got in a fight with Sean Hill and some of the uh, Lions offensive line. That was kind of fun to see. It was certainly entertaining. We'll, we'll leave it at that. And Favre looked awfully revved up. So thanks for the call, Brent. Absolutely. And you're more than welcome to rejoin again. And, of course, he posts quite a bit on the on the Facebook group. Used to post on Twitter, too, but not lately. But, of course, that's up to you. The Facebook group is a lot of fun as well. We're going to continue with all this racket going on here. I apologize. Um, that's pretty much the deal there. So let's get to the game review before I spend too much time rambling. Not certainly the greatest start to the game, that's for sure. It, really, it, was, just, it, just, was, it was just yet another game where the Vikings came out sputtering, really, offensively. The defense continuing to look excellent. It really does. The defense has been excellent for the Vikings the entire season. That's right. They gave up 14 points in the opening week, 14 points in the second week, and 10 in the third week. And this is a Detroit Lions team that showed some serious offensive prowess against the Bears and the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, especially the Philadelphia Eagles last week. Javid Best, as I'm going to mention multiple times in this show, in fact, I'll just say it right now, pretty much. I mean, I don't really need to mention it a billion times because it's in all my tweets real time. <laughs> here. Yeah, he can catch and run and all that, but he's not good on the ground yet. He's just not. I, I don't know how good he is going to be on the ground. Um, though I will say, at very least, he'd make a hell of a third down running back. Yeah, he'd, I think he'd a better, and I still also am going to continue to say he's going to be a better running back in the NFL than Toby Gerhardt. He is. He is going to be a better running back in the NFL than Toby Gerhardt. Though, another thing that Paul Allen constantly brings up, and he's right, it wasn't just Javid Best versus Toby Gerhardt. It's it's Toby Gerhardt and Chris Cook against Javid Best. And Chris Cook looks like a very nice player for the Vikings. Very happy with that, indeed. Favre definitely out uh, out of the gate, a fairly, fairly rusty again. Though the first quarter it was, first quarter was just a seven to seven game. Really, Detroit did eventually get the lead in this one. Nothing really special though. This was not the most exciting game to watch. It really wasn't. But the good news was, Vikings did stop the Detroit Lions on their first drive, and on Brett Favre's first pass of the entire game, it was a first down pass, which was, hey, that, that was a start, but then a, but then, like clockwork, 
like clockwork, Sullivan goes down. Yeah. Sullivan goes down right away, unfortunately, with a calf. Not sure what's going on with that. Unfortunately, though, it was mentioned that it was the uh, other calf, not the, not the calf that held him out most of the uh, preseason in the training camp when you saw a lot of Cooper, John Cooper in there, and even uh, Anthony Herrera. Adrian Peterson and the Vikings offense just sputtered in the beginning. Brett Favre still continuing. Brett Favre and the whole offense still continuing to not be on the same page. Peterson ran forward. The ball was behind him, and that was the end of that. The end of the first drive, unfortunately, for both teams, got nowhere. The good news was, yeah, the good news, you know, was great. Greg Camarillo, yeah, I was mentioning how this guy is not a great punt returner. He's really not. No speed at all. Well, yeah, he got a nice, he got a nice return. Oh, but there was a, there's an illegal block. Yeah, that was the first of two when Camarillo actually looked like a competent punt returner. Yeah, he can catch. That's the important part. You don't want the turnover, but it'd be nice to actually gain a few yards as well. It would help. But maybe that's why the field position has been so awful for the Vikings the first two weeks of the year to this point. And it just seemed like all the Vikings were doing offensively was gaining third or fourth, getting three or four yards and pretty much having to punt. But then Bernard Berrien, there is a use of Bernard Berrien, and it happened twice today. He drew a penalty that ended up getting a first down for us. When Bernard Berrien's covered, you know what he needs to do? Just flop, I guess. I guess that's the next thing for Bernard Berrien. Since he's not going to catch the ball, <laughs> might as well flop. Uh-oh, it must have been pass interference on the defense, so we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. Though, unfortunately, the penalties, and I mean the penalties, were all over the place at this point. Sure, the Lions had tons of penalties, but so did the Vikings, and uh, it killed our offense. It just didn't look great at all. PMAC of 1500 made a comment at one point saying that, yeah, remember when the Vikings were awesome? And it's like, yeah, it seems like 10 years ago. It really does. Um, just horrible. Another pass by Brett Favre was, inter- was intercepted. And then Detroit did get their touchdown this way. It was a really, just a nasty pass intercepted by Detroit Lions defensive lineman. Williams, who got the interception, and he ran the ball 27 yards. Detroit only had about a 20-yard, it was was already in the red zone, instantaneously thrown by Sean Hill to Tony Scheffler, who was fairly solid. He had seven catches in the day. Detroit, Detroit Lions with three minutes to go in the first period were able to go up first quarter, excuse me, seven to nothing, unfortunately. But the good news is the Vikings finally woke up and went to work like, whoa, we're down seven to nothing. We're down seven to nothing against the Detroit Lions. Look, this is beyond belief. Yeah, that's that's the bit right there. <laughs> seven to nothing against Detroit in the dome. It's like, no, this has got to stop. As Marcus, the forecaster, would say, this foolishness, this is foolishness, this is flukery, and it, it needs to stop. And the uh, Vikings finally, finally go to work on the, on the next drive. Oh, it was so, so needed at this point. The best part is, though, I mean, how many times, I'm going to say, how many times did Brett Favre throw the ball in this game, though? How many times did Brett Favre throw the ball in this game? And, uh... You're wondering, where's the ball? Where did it go? It just, like, it disappeared. 
he got batted down or what? I mean, he got the ball batted down about a thousand times in this game. I'm not sure really what the deal is. I'm really not sure. I'm just not. The next drive actually was not the touchdown. It was another fairly weak drive. Another very weak drive. I was saying the ball disappeared. The ball disappeared, excuse me. Vikings did have to punt. This was the drive after the interception. Though the Vikings defense, again, phenomenal the whole game. But the Detroit Lions did what the Vikings tended to do a lot at times in previous years. They fumbled the punt. Chad Greenwood was able to recover it, thank God. And then on the exact next play, Brett Favre, pants on the ground, to Percy Harvin <laughs> for a touchdown. And there it is, folks. There it is right there. What was I talking about last week? Now, it wasn't like a deep, deep pass, but deep enough. We're talking about shucks 25 yards or so. That's deep enough, frankly. Percy Harvin is wide open up the middle. Wide open up the middle. That's when you throw deep to Percy Harvin. That's it. That's it. And uh, there it was. There's your touchdown. The Vikings tie the game. Got it like that. Kelvin Johnson looked athletic, but really, overall, fairly, fairly ineffective in this game overall. I mean, he looks like a dangerous guy, but... Not much. He did get six catches, but only 56 yards. Nothing majorly special. I kind of like Pettigrew a little bit, but even he's nothing great. Uh, Detroit's offense was certainly not the same in this game at all. I mean, look at Javid Best. He only got two catches for 13 yards. What did he have last week? Nine catches for 154? Boy, what a far cry from last week. That is for darn sure. Absolutely for sure. And uh, folks, ladies and gentlemen of the, of the jury... The most valuable player of the Vikings easily, at least on the offensive side of the ball, is Adrian Peterson. It's not even close. But defensively, it's been a wonderful team effort for the Vikings. Indeed, Hussein Abdullah was, bra- was able to break up a pass, almost had an interception for the second week of the row. Very cool indeed. Uh, we talked about with Matt Emer. This is the first tweet to me from Matt Emer. This is Matt Emer, of course, from uh, England. He was saying, yep, that was far 499 touchdown pass, the one to Percy Harvin. Well, guess what, folks? We talked about it over and over throughout the game. About, okay, where's where's number, let's get number 500 now. Well, it never came. That was it. That's because Adrian Peterson was the guy that got the next two touchdowns for Minnesota. We'll take it. We will absolutely take it. This was, uh, but as Detroit continued to drive, it looked like Detroit was going to start moving. Their fullback, Felton, went right through the Vikings' defensive line for 15, but up, holding. <laughs> Detroit just could not, could not stay away from the penalties in this game. It was really bad for Detroit. The Vikings had a lot early. They kind of, they got a little better about it. Detroit was terrible, though, in this game. Easily their worst game of the year. There's no doubt about it. Yep, no doubt about it. Nobody on really offensively for Detroit was really all that special in this game other than maybe Sean Hill and uh, Scheffler, the tight end. That's about it. Jason Hansen did miss a field goal on this drive. Could not believe it. A little surprising. It's more surprising that Jason Hansen is still in Detroit. He never left the Detroit Lions. And I guess at this stage of his career, you might as well stay there because it's just one of those things. You've been there forever. So I guess stay there. It's unfortunate a guy that good, though, will not be getting a ring. As It's pretty safe to say that the way Detroit has played throughout the last uh, decade plus. MN Vikings guy was able to, well, Joe jumped in and was making fun of Jared Allen a bit, saying about how, yep, 
Is Jared Allen playing on the Vikings or not? And my response to him was, it's hard to say. Jared Allen seems to show up on random weeks. That's about it, though. It really is. As Matt Emer and I continue to talk about the 500th touchdown, we'll leave it at that. Um, very crazy. Favre was hitting the head on the next drive. The next drive was kind of more of a struggle. Hitting the head on a play. He fumbled the ball, but luckily that, it was uh, roughing the passer because, huh, well, you're not really supposed to hit to have a blow to the head of the quarterback, and that didn't sound good the way I just worded that. We'll leave it as it stands. Um <laughs> But that's how the ref says it, too. Again, that doesn't sound good, but that's about it. Um, very, very crazy. Very, very crazy. Uh, though that, that, that play certainly helped the Minnesota Vikings because this was a scoring drive. As Adrian Peterson was able to get a touchdown in the game, thank God. This was his second touchdown of the year, and the Vikings take their biggest lead of the year. <laughs> biggest lead of the year for the Minnesota Vikings, 14-7. to the Vikings lead by seven points, and yeah, that's the highest point total for the Vikings again. This is in week three, the highest point total of 14. We got nine the first week, 10 the second week, a whole point of increase. Now we're up to 14. Let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Dan Taylor, who is a uh, who's also from England, just like Matt Emer, very, very cool. He, he basically introduced himself. He's been a follower for actually a while. Yeah. So great to say, great to say hello to him. Uh, he basically said skull and was saying how he's yep. He's been a follower for this is his second year following the Vikings. So great to have you on board. Hope you listen to the show and like it. Uh, very very cool indeed. Very cool indeed. So when Detroit had the ball, Chris Cook has been yeah. Chris Cook overall looked pretty good in this game, and he was able to stop Pedigree Pedigree. <laughs> In this game, uh, Detroit Lions really were having trouble executing their offense in this game. You could definitely say that. You certainly, certainly can. A tough game indeed for the Detroit Lions. Um, sometimes I kind of jump around a bit in the game because it's you can't really go with every single drive. But really, right here, yeah, Chris Cook did make a did make a nice deflection, hit Pettigrew really hard. Uh, the guy is definitely that prototype cornerback that the Vikings have been coveting forever and uh you know what there's a reason why the Detroit Lions got only 10 points in the Vikings and by the way as I mentioned earlier 10 points against the Saints 14 po- or excuse me 14 against the Saints 14 against the uh, Dolphins allowed by the defense only 10 against Detroit yeah there's a reason why that defense improved even more and it's not just because Sean Hill is the quarterback of the Detroit Lions who actually did pretty good his first two games it's because Chris Cook and Cedric Griffin are the starting cornerbacks now for the Minnesota Vikings. Very, very cool indeed. Um, excuse me, Chris Cook, uh, excuse me, Cedric Griffin and Antoine Winfield, but Chris Cook is at very least the nickelback at this point in time. It's looking really good, the secondary for the Vikings. You had those two studs to your secondary, which already had been playing really well. I mean, Hussein Abdullah has been a massive upgrade over the pretty much invisible Tyrell Johnson, and even Medeo Williams has become a respectable, strong safety. It's uh, It's been nice. It's definitely been nice indeed. Oh, man, it's been it's been awesome. It really is. Um, Kersey Harvin, on the ensuing drive, was able to catch. Uh, it, it just was another play where you see what these guys can do. I mean, Percy Harvin is always better 
catching uh, catching underneath and making a juke. I mean, he was able to get a first down doing it that way. Again, it's just more that that's more his game. That's absolutely more his game. That's uh, how how it goes. That's just another thing I came up with watching the game. They use Percy Harvin more appropriately. That's what's cool. You didn't see any of those wide deep passes to Percy Harvin in this game. It was a uh, it was a much better played game between Favre and Harvin, though still not perfect. But Harvin certainly with his best game of the year. Absolutely, there is just no doubt about it to this point. Brett Favre, though, continuing to struggle. <laughs> As, yeah, the Vikings look like they had a drive going, but guess what? Another interception. And my question to everybody is, what's the over-under on Favre interceptions this year? 30? Because, yeah, he threw one to Cliff Avril. It was batted up in the air. Alf- excuse me, not to Cliff Avril. Cliff Avril batted it up. Alfonso Smith got the interception. And, yeah, there's Favre's second interception right there. Just the, the frustration level really, really high at this point. <laughs> Wondering what is the deal. The, really, what is the deal? Though the Lions could only muster their 10th, they could only muster a field goal, which would be their final points of the entire game, which we didn't know at the time. But, uh, hey, we'll take it. We will take it indeed. So, yes, as I mentioned, it was the last uh, points the, uh, the, the Lions would score in this game. Hank Basket... Well, the Vikings finally throw the ball to Hank Basket, the bread basket. Will the ball, will the bread land in the basket because Hank Basket is on the Vikings now? Somebody that can catch the ball? Well, he caught it, but it popped right out. Great. So that was kind of the end of that. And then what happens? Well, Brett Favre throws another interception. But luckily, and I mean it really, really, really luckily, defensive interference just saved the Vikings' ass. On this one, and I mean absolutely saved it because it it looked. I hate to speak positively for the opponent, but you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that was even pass interference. Maybe a little bit, but regardless if it was or wasn't, it was a horrible play. There was. I don't know if it's just because the Vikings and his or Favre and his receivers weren't on the same page. Regardless, it was a horrible play. So they lucked out on that one, and I mean, thank God. And the Vikings salvage a field goal out of that. It's a miracle. So now the Vikings' new record for 2010 is now 17 points. From 14 to 7, their new record for the year in scoring is now 17. you got to love that. It looked like the Vikings had the Lions stopped, and I mean completely stopped in their tracks. Sean Hill runs the ball out of bounds. Pat Williams says, oh, i got to hit somebody, and smacks one of the Detroit Lions well after the play was dead. Smart, 15-yard penalty, Detroit gets to continue, but things continue the way they they had been going for the Detroit offense, which absolutely was sputtering at this point, and they get nothing out of it. Brett Favre simply hands the ball off to Adrian Peterson after the Vikings get the ball back, and he's gone. 80 yards for Adrian Peterson, and ladies and gentlemen, it's about time. Yes, Adrian Peterson has arrived. And, folks, it's been about a uh, shock since 2007 since we've seen one of these where Peterson broke loose for like an 80-yard touchdown, 70-yard touchdown or whatever. Most of his touchdowns have been in the red zone. And I mean like 99.99999% of them. 
But back in 07, the guy would just explode and have these 200-type yard games because of these massive explosions, and uh, we saw it. Ladies and gentlemen, I did predict that Adrian Peterson would have his career year this year, especially yards, but maybe, uh, well, the touchdown part's a little bit tougher because he did get 18 last year, thanks to Brett Favre getting the Vikings to the red zone, as we like to call it. Um, but uh, this this was a really nice thing to see, and uh, this is how the Vikings are going to win games this year. They're going to have to kind of rely on, the, on an 07 version of Adrian Peterson. And uh, at the, yeah, and hope and pray that Favre and his receivers can get things together. Sidney Rice is still alive. He's not dead, <laughs> but he is still going to be out for a bit. They're talking, he was saying weeks, or the sixth game of the season, though most other people think it's going to be week eight, unfortunately. But this is when the Vikings did make it 24 to 10. Little did we know this would be the actual final score of the game. This was a whole hour ago, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, this would be the final score of the game, thankfully. Thank um, but the Detroit Lions kick return, geez, Logan, he almost, and I mean almost, had it. I can't remember which Viking uh, special teams was able to pull him out of bounds, but I mean it was literally like inches. If if Logan was able to move even a slight bit out of the way, he, he had it. So the Vikings really, really pull out of that one in a big way. But then later in this drive, this is when the Vikings, I think, I think the camaraderie on this team may have revived, and I mean big time. Because most of the time this year, Brett Favre has been standing on the sidelines with a very blank stare on his face, even pissed off looking. And uh, last year, you saw that big giant smile on his face about 90% of the year. Well, what happened was Ray Edwards got a sack on Sean Hill, and then they started to be pushing and shoving. Next thing you know, it's a brawl. Fists all over the place. People knocking each other in the face. Brett Favre on the sidelines is revving up the defensive line after they were beating, getting in fights with Sean Hill and the Detroit Lions offensive lineman. Brett Favre loved it. He's revving him up, saying, let's go. It's the first time I've really seen Favre act that way. It's kind of like the Favre that said pants on the ground last year. Really nice to see. So i got to think the camaraderie on this team may have uh, taken some type of a gain with that. Uh, you got to like what you saw there. You really got to like what you saw there. Uh, the best part is also on the next drive, Bernard Brennan drew another penalty. How about that? Though a really ticky-tack call on this one. And I mean really ticky-tack. Uh, I, I didn't see anything really happen. I really didn't see it happen. It looked like Berrien just fell, but we'll take it yet again. The second penalty Bernard Berrien drew in this game. So I guess there is a use for him after all. I guess there is. Favre then started to get uh, creative, I guess you can call it in a way, trying to throw the ball deep to Bernard Berrien and Hank Basket. Neither one of them were completions, unfortunately. It's not that the Detroit defense was great, but there just wasn't really, it. there just was no play to be had. We'll leave it at that. There was no play to be had. Matt Emer commenting about how, yeah, I mean, at least we got something from Bernard Berrien. At least he can do something, and indeed he can, finally. You got to like what you saw there. I saw a clipping call for the first time since I don't know when. This was, of course, Ryan Cook, one of the worst linemen 
in Viking history on the offensive side of the ball. Huh. We'll take it, right? Well, not really, because Bernard uh, Adrian Peterson had exploded up the middle on a play that he he literally almost injured himself. At this point, it's like take him out, but the Vikings did not take him out. Very strange indeed there. So that play was called back. Favre then looked like Favre of last year, at least for one play, as he thread the needle to to basket. Hank Basket, a perfect pass in coverage. Yeah, it, this was in coverage, but it was a perfect pass to Hank Basket, his first catch as a Viking. And that was probably the best throw by Brett Favre all year. And I mean it wholeheartedly. Toby Gerhardt. <laughs> Toby Gerhardt, folks. A lot of people were excited about Toby Gerhardt because what, what's one of his specialties? He can hang on to the ball. Or so they said in, in college he could hang on to the ball. So in his third game of his career, he already has a fumble. He ran up the middle, looked like a nice gain up, oh, but, but the ball's gone. Great. Got to like what we saw there. Detroit then tried to make a what looked like some type of an impressive drive, but it never happened. It ended up being an interception. Sean Hill just absolutely off late in this game. I mean, he was absolutely snake bit as things continue. Uh, it looked like there was a hit, though. On, I mean, there was a hit in this drive. Some people thought it was ticky-tack. Uh, Brent Jacobson did a little bit. We were kind of texting during the game. Um, it was another high-low. I mean, it looked like what happened to Brett Favre, actually, in a way. Not not nearly as severe, but it kind of reminded me out of a little bit. And that was a roughing the passer. That was about the extent of... Huh, the extent of how things were going at Detroit there, that was about the most positive thing in a way. They were able to get an extra 15 yards on a on that drive, but unfortunately it ended with an interception in the end zone to Ben Lieber. At that point, I thought the game was over, but technically it wasn't, I guess. Detroit Lions did have one more one more opportunity to go down the field. And they did. They actually looked pretty good, but then it ended in the same. It ended the same way this time. A really nice interception by Antoine Winfield. He was batted up in the air, and Antoine Winfield. Nice to see him back and healthy, despite the fact he's 33 or 34 years old already. Yeah, a game icing interception. And yeah, I honestly did feel a little bad for Sean Hill because he, he actually he he played fairly well for a guy that is not really known as a big time quarterback in this league, and uh, it was. A very solid effort, I thought, by Sean Hill, believe it or not. Um, but overall, the Detroit offense, certainly not what you saw in previous in, in the previous two weeks. Uh, Javid Best, though, his, his running was about the same as it was in, in the previous weeks. His running game is just it's not really there yet. Yeah, he had 76 yards on the ground, but he rushed the ball about 28 times. He rushed it only seven this week. The same yards per carry, about three and a half. Yeah, far cry from Adrian Peterson, who only rushed the ball 23 times. That's actually kind of low for a star running back, wouldn't you say? 160 yards on the ground, including that 80-yard scamper to pay dirt. Two touchdowns in the game. Adrian Peterson of 07 has returned. Yeah, the one that looked like the next, you know, absolute absolute superstar in this league. Percy Harvin, easily his best game this season as well. Six catches, 62 yards, and that 24-yard touchdown. Adrian Peterson, another solid day as a receiving back.
this time he had five re- five more receptions, 30 yards. Uh, the guy is really becoming a solid receiving back for the Vikings, and that's something that uh, we were begging for the, the previous three years from Adrian Peterson, and there it is. There it is. You ought to like what you're seeing there. Not the most exciting game, not the best played game of all time, but you know what? Regardless of who, if it's the Lions, regardless if it's the Saints, the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, or who knows, a win is a win, and the Vikings needed this win like they needed to breathe. And they got it. That is what counts. So I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to get a little bit into Vincent Jackson, and we're going to preview the New York Jets briefly right after this. And we are back here on Purple Mafia, episode number 70, which is a reminder for iPod users and Microsoft Zune and any other MP3 player, of course. Not exclusive to just the iPod, but you get the idea. Yeah, Vincent Jackson was not acquired by the Vikings this past week. Remember, there was a deadline at least for uh, Vincent Jackson to be traded from the uh, San Diego Chargers for this, uh, this whole suspension to be lifted. Or, excuse me, not for that, but more or less for the uh, the Chargers to be able to acquire a third-round compensatory pick. And uh, you know the Vikings offered more than that. That's the funny part. A lot of people believe that the San Diego Chargers general manager over there definitely did his team a disservice because there's there's no doubt, there is no doubt the Vikings offered more than a third-rounder. They were just, The Chargers were being, obviously, they're being greedy, but at the same time they wanted to just spite Vincent Jackson like to say, basically, screw you, go sit on the bench. We don't want to help you out and put you on a different team. Regardless of what Vincent Jackson did, if it's right or wrong, of course it's wrong. I mean, none, I mean, this drinking driving thing is not a good thing, but of course, Jared Allen cleaned up his, uh, pretty much cleaned up his record, I guess we can say, after that. Uh, he's been a He's been a good citizen to this point since he's been on the Vikings. And uh, right now, there's no reason to believe that Vincent Jackson couldn't do the same thing here. But, well, the only way the Vikings could get him now is to probably have to offer more. And who knows if that'll ever happen. I personally doubt it at this point. The one thing, though, that a lot of us need to remember, including myself, yes, Vincent Jackson is better than what the Vikings have, especially right now without Sidney Rice. Yes, at six foot five, 230. He's a massive target for Brett Favre to throw the ball to, and that's only a good thing. But when you look at his numbers, folks, you look at his numbers, there's nothing really that stands out that this guy is just an absolute superstar. He, I don't really see it, to be honest with you. I don't. Um, his first three years in the league, fairly nondescript, about 500 yards. He got six touchdowns in 2007. 2006, excuse me, three touchdowns in 2007. 2008, though, he he had more of a breakout year. And last year as well, both years about 1,100 yards. Though last year, I guess, it's closer to 12. Seven touchdowns in 08, nine in 09. Yeah, they're good numbers. They're good numbers. But at the same time, it's not like you're getting Randy Moss at age 26 here. I mean, Vincent Jackson is good, but he's certainly not the superstar. So at the same time, when you look at this, you can't really come out and say Vincent Jackson is the absolute end-all, 
guaranteed superstar receiver the Vikings lack. You can't say that. So the Vikings didn't necessarily screw themselves either in this. At the same time, it's more or less the Chargers screwed themselves and Vincent Jackson in this. So I'll pretty much end the conversation there with him. The Vikings do acquire Hank Basket. Yep, Hank Basket, the old... I mean, you think of any goofy name for this guy. <laughs> the bread in the basket, that's the old football term. From the ball over someone's shoulder, right into their hands. That's called the bread in the basket. Um, another large player, six foot four, two twenty. Vikings did again, as I mentioned, have him back in the 06 training camp. And then, of course, traded him to Philadelphia for Billy McMullen, who was a completely non-script player for the Vikings. Hank Basket, well, he's had a couple of solid years. He's had a couple of solid years. Nothing spectacular, that's for sure. But, yeah, it's three years with Philadelphia. He played 16 games his first two years, about 500 yards his first year and two touchdowns, 440 in his third year, three touchdowns. His second year, very nondescript, not really out there. Um, shoot, career high in receptions is 33. That was 2008. Nothing special. Um, last year, he was traded to the Indianapolis Colts. Very nondescript for them. They hardly used him at all. And, of course, in both cases, great quarterbacks throwing the ball to Hank Basket when given the opportunity. So not much in terms of capitalizing <laughs> in terms of Hank Basket overall with those fairly good offenses. Um, just nothing really special stands out. He's got size, but can he play? That's the million-dollar question. Um, I guess he can. I guess. <laughs> but at best, I think he's a fourth or fifth receiver in the league. And uh, certainly not Vincent Jackson. We'll just leave it there again. That's pretty much where we're going to stand with the acquisitions. That's pretty much it right now for overall Vikings news. I mean, I'm sure the other stuff is going to pop out. But uh, as we head to the bye, we're going to talk about the New York Jets shortly. First, though, we're going to get to your face, the, the Facebook group. Again, I mentioned last week, Tony Coleman, who is also known as Twineball is his nickname, um, mentioned that he agrees at the thought of me uh, create, changing the uh, Facebook group into a Facebook page. So basically what I also am saying is uh, I keep the Facebook group, of course, but uh, mostly, mostly, mostly turn it into a Facebook page for Purple Mafia. Much easier to find for listeners and much more user-friendly for things like the iPod Touch and, you know, the I, the Android and all that, where you can get to it a lot easier. You don't have to fight around with it because for some odd reason, when you get those indications or whatever they call them that you've... Uh, that somebody put a post on your wall or whatever, put a post on the Purple Mafia page, you can't even get to it from your iPod Touch slash iPhones, the same thing. You can't even get to it, which is retarded. So <laughs> Facebook page will be a lot more accessible. Uh, Farzine Vesugian, head, head, I keep calling him head, host of the Chief Zone. He has a lot of likes, I guess we'll call it. That's what they call it when you join a, a Facebook page. Uh, he has almost 500 going on, so it's like, yeah, it's a pretty effective way to assemble your listeners in one place. And uh, I've enjoyed doing that with the Facebook group thus far. But, yeah, I'm going to likely have a Purple Mafia page along with Timberwolves Explosion. So I just haven't gotten to it yet. I'm going to do it soon. It'll look, uh, look pretty much the same as the uh, the Facebook group for Purple Mafia. There's not really any reason for a change, though. Those of you out there are more than welcome to post any type of photos up there, as long as they're Vikings-related. <laughs> 
that that's, that'd be a, that'd be a lot more appropriate and a lot more yeah let's just say it would make more sense so we'll leave things there Lots of rants about the uh, the Minnesota Vikings last week against the Miami Dolphins. Very, very hard to accept. Yep, they were talking about Percy Harvin. We had to go to for an MRI. I mean, you got to like how Percy Harvin responded, though. Sebastian Balls uh, mentioning that last week. And, uh, yeah, I really am impressed with how Percy Harvin responded. A lot of us weren't even sure he was going to play, yet he has his best game of the season. Very, very cool indeed. There was a massive discussion. I'm not going to really read all. I'm not going to really read all of it. It was more or less how the Vikings had a trillion opportunities in that Miami game. Shoot, there were about 25 replies to that. Started from Tony Coleman, Chris Tucker, myself, Sebastian, all of us just back and forth over and over and over again. Pretty much <laughs> a lot of it ripping. Chili also talks about Michael Vick could be a nice upgrade. That was uh, Tucker made by uh, Chris Tucker. There, I, I agree with him. Um, and no, not an upgrade from. Brett Favre, an upgrade from Tavares Jackson, because like I said in the previous show, and uh, I do not really believe Brett Favre is going to return next year. Uh, I had people behind the scenes, I'll say, mention that I have no real right to say that, and of course, I'm not declaring anything. I'm just saying I believe Brett Favre with what he said in his press conference at the start of the year when he actually said for the first time in his life, this is my last year. He never did say that. Yes, he's waffled back and forth a million times about he's going to play or he's going to retire, and we all know about that. But he never once, never once said, this is my last year. And uh, you can just kind of tell from Brad Favre's facial expressions that the itch has been scratched, folks, or it's in the process of it, <laughs> we'll say. He, he's The itch to play has been scratched. It's getting to that point, or it will be by the end of the year, we'll say. Um, remember Michael Jordan said that at, at, with his last year with the Washington Wizards. He said it and he meant it. And, and remember how he came back a couple times as well. I think Brett Favre is playing in his last year, so it's more or less make the most of it while you can because you never know who the quarterback will be next year. Would I take Michael Vick as a replacement next year? Absolutely. I'm very happy with how Michael Vick plays. Play, uh, I'm Pleased with Michael Vick with how he has shaken his ru- shaken the rust off from all that foolishness, <laughs> being in prison with what took place. He has absolutely, uh, absolutely shaken it off, and he is looking like a, a legitimate quarterback. Actually, a much smarter quarterback than he was when he went away. So, um, I would at very least consider Michael Vick to be a part of things here. I would, and of course, being in. The same system, the sa- at least a very similar system under Andy Reid. If he's successful in that system, i got to think he'll be successful here with Brad Childress. Same system. So there you go. It's as simple as that. I do like it. I do like it indeed. Chris Tucker responding about that uh, afterward. His Mike, what he said about Michael Vick there. He said, no, the old man is far. Forget Childress. I can't stand him. (laughs) Plus, I was listening to an interview on ESPN Radio with Jared Allen, and he said that Favre has been watching tons tons of video. Hmm. Tons of video since the Miami loss and is super focused on getting this turned around. Good to hear. Yep. I mean, Favre still looked like a mess, but at the same time, it looks like the chemistry has certainly been building with Percy Harvin. Not really much anybody else, but Percy Harvin. We'll take it. 
So that's pretty much, it wasn't really about Michael Vicky. I guess he kind of changed the subject there because uh, Sebastian came and ranted about Childress like we all did about a million times in this particular post. It was quite an explosion, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, now we get to the actual post by Coleman about the page. This is how he says it. Hey, Joey, just listen to this week's show. You should definitely switch from a Facebook group to a page. Groups aren't viewable on Facebook Mobile, so I can't keep up on the group on my iPod Touch. If it was a page, I could. Yeah. And he also responds to what I said. In general, groups are kind of going by the wayside since pages do the, the job of both a group and a profile pretty much. I know I'd like to see the switch. And, uh, yeah, see, so thanks for the endorsement there, the idea there. Um, I do think it's going to happen because... First and foremost, it's a hell of a lot easier to find a page when I can simply say facebook.com forward slash purple mafia show. Done. You don't have to hit the search bar and hope you can find it with all the other trillions of Viking groups out there that have about five followers. Well, that's pretty much how things stand. Um, yep, Tony also were talking about how, uh, yeah, there was that article a week ago talking about how Harvin said the migraines were gone because it was just, it was sleep apnea. And he was recovering from that. No more migraine issue. But then there you go again. Another migraine for Harvin this past week. So it's like we're right back to square one with that. Of course, that happened to him throughout his career with the Florida Gators as well. <laughs> and there it is. There's where uh, Brent Jacobson came up with what uh, with his call as well. The Onion. Talking about how Brett Favre apparently undecided if he will return to the Vikings this season. That's pretty funny. because Mostly because of how he played this year. So far, my response to that is, yeah, at the time, it's like, yeah, we're still waiting for him to return, and he sort of did today. Sort of. Not really. Sort of. Now we get to the very end here. Tony Coleman says, as glad as I am to have this win, the Vikes didn't do anything extraordinary here. This is the way we should play against Detroit. Skull. So, yeah, my simple response is, we'll take it. I mean, it's, it's all we can do is take it at this point. It's a building block. Nothing nothing about it really was amazing. No, the only extraordinary thing I got to say, though, is that people might be missing out on, though. I'm, I'm sure they're not. <laughs> Adrian Peterson, that he was extraordinary today, no, no doubt about it. Uh, not the whole game, but in general, he has been far and away the offensive MVP for this team. It is not even close. And the best part is when team defenses are knowing the Vikings receivers are struggling, and I mean struggling in a big way. Brett Favre is struggling and frustrated and probably mentally drained right now with how things are going with the receivers. Defenses know the Vikings are going to run the ball. Defenses know Adrian Peterson is the top threat, yet he's still getting 150, 160-yard games, and today, of course, multiple touchdowns. That's pretty damn cool. Pretty damn cool that he's still able to do that. Something something special about Adrian Peterson this year, folks. He just might be the best. He just might be an MVP candidate. Right now, i got to say he is. And I'm talking NFL MVP, not Viking MVP. It's uh, Viking MVP is obvious. John Funk posts, I'm glad we won. I'm glad we won and all, but Brett looked ugly. I hate to have to say that. And, yeah, that's pretty much what I was getting to right there is uh, Brett did look ugly. He did. He could have had four interceptions in this game easily. Two of them were called for pass interference. Isn't that something? Uh-huh. We got bailed out, folks, by probably some fairly ticky-tack calls. Though, again, as we'll say a hundred quadrillion times, we'll take it. The final post in the Facebook group. I'm going to get a little bit back to the Twitter because I think I missed out. Uh, 
skipped some people a little bit. I'll get back to that in a second. And then we'll finally preview the Jets a little bit. A win is a win. Don't matter how we got it. And Saints missed game-winning field goal in overtime and lost. So <laughs> it's almost all good. At least now that we have a bye week, next week let us heal up and regroup. I can't disagree with anything you said there, Sebastian. I mean, you got to love seeing the New Orleans Saints lose a game by missing a field goal in overtime. you got to like that. The only problem is, though, the only problem is who did the Saints play? Yeah, the other team that broke the Vikings' heart in the NFC Championship game in overtime, the Atlanta Falcons. Mm. That's the only thing. The, 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 other, the good part, I guess, about Atlanta winning, it's a completely different team. There isn't a single player left from that team, so... It wasn't Morton Anderson, it wasn't Chris Chandler, it wasn't Jamal Anderson, it wasn't any of them. It was Matt Ryan, Michael Turner, Roddy White, and all the boys over there in Atlanta that I actually kind of like that team, actually. Kind of like them a little bit. Not, not, not a lot. They're still the Falcons, but I, I like their, their makeup, we'll say. Okay, enough of that. We'll get to a couple of these tweets that I think I probably missed here. Mostly... Uh, I mentioned most of Matt Emers. Yeah, quite a bit of back and forth between me and him uh, agreeing on most things here. Uh, wondering why the Vikings didn't get Javon Walker. He was saying um, Bernard Berrien hesitated during his run. He's just, yeah, he's been a frustration absolutely for myself, for Brett Favre, probably a million people out there. He he does hesitate, and uh, that that's partially what led to some of those interceptions last week. Today, thank God, it led to penalties, I guess. Whatever he did, it led to penalties. We'll take it. We will take it. Nima responds about he doesn't understand why uh, Javon Walker's not here. Must be something we don't know going on. And I guess the only thing I can think of is his knee. Javon Walker hurt his knee last year and a couple times in previous years with Oakland and Denver. I guess it's his knee, but he looked good enough to me, he looked good enough to me and a lot of other people. Not really sure what the deal is there. Doc LG, not sure if he's a follower, but uh, if he's not, I hope he becomes one. He comments about, I'm, I'm right about how, take why, why the heck is Adrian Peterson still in there? Didn't make much sense. His comment is, you're right, we need to take care of starters at this point. And um, it's not necessarily because we were blowing out the Lions, but we pretty much had them beat, it appeared. And Adrian Peterson looked like he'd injured himself a little bit. So what are we doing here? The last thing we need is him to go down. Because if he goes down, we might win five games this year. Maybe. I'm not even sure we'd win, we'd win five because the running game would be completely obsolete if Adrian Peterson went down. It is a, that is a nightmare. Matt Emers' response is, maybe they're scared Gerhardt will fumble. That's pretty funny. Yeah, because the joke of that is how Gerhardt, again, I'll mention, that's what he was known for in college, never fumbles. So he fumbles in his third game as a pro. Mm. Dan Taylor introduces himself earlier. I'm not sure if I can, I'm not sure why I'm not finding it. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's at Skull, excuse me. He's another, uh, he's another uh, follower from England, so I'll take that very, I mean, I'll, I'll take it. I love it. Nice to meet you, Dan Taylor. I know you've been a follower for a little while, but I, I may have missed you on there. Uh, it's probably the first time you responded to me. Uh, how awesome are we? We can beat the Lions, Dan Taylor says. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's a start. That's the one thing. It's a start. We'll, we'll take it, I guess, at this point. Matt Emer says, LOL, this this is AP's team now, no doubt about it. I'm off now. Chat soon, man. So, yep, I, I agree with him there. 
it is AP's team. It's not even close. Dan Taylor with a couple of final tweets here. I'll be listening for the Champagne Corks and Purple Mafia, and uh, <laughs> proof that yep, proof that he's a that he's a listener. Probably did listen last year as well, from what he was saying. Second year following the Vikings, and. His final tweet is, and to cap off the day, the Saints lose by a field goal in overtime. My first game day wearing my jersey has been good. Yes. Yes, Viking fans hate the New Orleans Saints because of what took place last year. And you know what? I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be that way for all time because of what took place last year. That There is a crime scene in the Superdome, folks, as far as I'm concerned. The Vikings should have won that game about five times at least. And, yep, well, I'm going to try to pump some champagne, I guess. Uh, try to make some kind of noise. There, I guess there's your popping of champagne. <laughs> oh, I wish I had something like that right now, but there you go, Dan. Thanks again for that. And, uh, yep, we'll hope and pray for a victory next week against the New York Jets. So we're going to briefly pre- preview them right now. And, um, well, when the Vikings do play the Jets, this will be easily the toughest test of the year. So things don't get much easier two weeks from now. Now, again, real quick, there will be a bye week next week. Most likely there will not be a Purple Mafia unless maybe it's a short half-hour show because something breaks in the news, something like really maybe it's worthy to do a show. Otherwise, I'm going to take a break next week from Purple Mafia during the bye week. I tend to enjoy it a little week off from it just because I can kind of get my bearings and <laughs> Really uh, go for the run the rest of the year if possible. Uh, unfortunately, though, that'll get interrupted again in November. I'll mention that at the very end of the show here. So, yeah, heading to New York, it's not a good thing. It's just not. Uh, the Jets barely, and I mean barely, lost to the Baltimore Ravens. Though they did lose at home to the Baltimore Ravens. A very impressive victory for, for them, the uh, for the Ravens. 10-9, to uh, the Jets' offense sputtered mightily. Right now, LaDainian Tomlinson appears to be the better running back as Sean Green has struggled mightily thus far this season. Nothing much going on. At this point in time, the the Jets have played two games. They hammered the uh, New England Patriots. Sean Green still not much of a factor. LaDainian Tomlinson continuing to be the better back of the two at this point. A lot of people had some high hopes for Sean Green, though. Again, you wouldn't sign a uh, LaDainian Tomlinson if you had full confidence that Sean Green is flat out the guy and that's it. Whereas Peterson you kind of were forced to do that losing Chester Taylor to the Bears. Um, here's the thing defensively with the New York Jets. It's kind of scary because well defensively when you look at the way the Vikings offense has been thus far this year this is going to be a huge test. Defensively the New York Jets are shucks about fifth in the league against the run. They only allow 50 and fifty yards a game. On the ground, they allow 236 yards passing, though they have uh, three interceptions already. And you know how the Jets are. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. Daryl Revis, of course, out with that hamstring, so that's the good part. <laughs> so um, Jets secondary not as scary. Yeah, that's partially why their secondary hasn't been as scary without him holding out, wanting more money, and then missing training camp because of that, and guess what? He gets hurt. Surprise, surprise. Um, though we'll see if Daryl Rivas is ready to play by the time the New York Jets and the Vikings meet in the Meadowlands. That's when the, that's when the fear factor begins there. Um, the Vikings offense, passing-wise, has been an absolute mess, and it still was today. It absolutely still was, and if you're going against the New York Jets, 
and that's the best thing you can do against the Jets thus far is to is pass the ball. Well, there, there's your test. There's your test. Brett Favre and the Vikings in this next two weeks, if they can build enough chemistry, they can win the game in the air at best possible, and provided Daryl Rivas isn't 100%. Uh, I don't think he will be 100%, but... Uh, Right now, that's the best approach I can think of. Uh, of course, you got you got to continue to establish run as much as possible. Adrian Peterson really has had minimal carries this year for a guy as talented, as hot of a season he has had thus far. Three games in now. Um, one of the top rushers in all the league. Not No surprise there. Uh, if Adrian Peterson can bust through that, that rush defense, though, we, I think we got him, honestly, provided there aren't any retarded turnovers. And possibly our defense, for whatever reason, completely falls off the face of the earth. The Jets' offense has been nothing special. It's middle of the road officially. Um, there are games when Sanchez, Ray Sanchez, that is, looks good. There are games when he's when he's virtually ineffective. And it's all it, it all depends on the running game with the New York Jets. It depends on the running game with the New York Jets. It depends on the passing game with the Vikings next week, I believe, though. <laughs> It's always the running game in the main screen, in the grand scheme of things. If the Vikings can run the ball on the Jets next week, there two weeks from now, they they got them. There, there's no doubt about it, in my opinion, because the Vikings' defense has been phenomenal this year. It absolutely has. They have given up shucks, a total of 34 points in three games. That is excellent stuff. That's about 11 points a game. That's pretty good. And uh, the way the Jets' offense has not been really the highest scoring thing of all time. Yeah, they beat up the aging, messy New England Patriots. But uh, are they going to beat up our defense? I kind of doubt that, honestly. And again, their running game, their passing game is inconsistent. Braylon Edwards is a moron, <laughs> to, say it, to say it lightly. He is. Uh, they do have Santonio Holmes as well, but he's another moron. Uh, there's, a lot, there's just an endless amount of talent on the Jets, but at the same time, it's a crazy, weird, messed up group. Daryl Rivas again. Uh, there's another one. It's just it's a group of players that are incredibly talented that could be the best team in football if they wanted to be, but will they ever all be on the same page? Will they ever uh, eliminate off-field distractions? That's the million-dollar question with these New York Jets, the J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs> are they going to be that against the Vikings in two weeks? We'll see. call me a dork, but right now I'm not sure I can even really pick a winner in this game because I'm not sure what I'm not sure what team on either side is going to show up. It's so hard to predict. The Jets are playing the Miami Dolphins tonight, uh, excuse me, tomorrow night, Monday Night Football. That is going to be a really, really cool game. That's definitely a better way to gauge what's going to happen with the Jets because the, obviously the Dolphins defeated the Vikings in the Dome. If the Jets come out and, and thrash the Dolphins, well... Hmm, makes you wonder then. Makes you wonder what kind of trouble the Vikings are in. The Dolphins go out and beat them, though, and wow. Dolphins really are a good team. And uh, Vikings have a, probably, a, I don't know, i got to think, have somewhat of a better chance to beat the Jets in the Meadowlands. Um, ultimately, I'm going to predict, I'm going to have to say it, I'm going to predict the Vikings do not win this game right now. I'm going to say that right now because... The Vikings' success in New York has been virtually non-existent, especially the Jets for whatever reason. I mean, the Vikings have beaten the Giants a few times in New York. They beat them in a second-round or first-round playoff game. 
back in uh, 2000, excuse me, 1997. Um, they beat the Giants handily in 2007. That's where that came from, that screw-up. They just destroyed him, and then the Giants went on and won the Super Bowl. So the Vikings have occasionally beat the Giants in their building. Of course, they 41-0 was another story in 2000. But uh, hmm, I don't know. How how motivated is Favre going to be against the, the team he got to play on for one year? Uh, that's the one thing. He played there for a whole season, so that's got to help Favre a little bit. Again, I mean, it's it's Favre's opportunity to prove that he's still got it this year, and he gets to play in front of a probably a fan base that it was a that was a little dis, uh, disillusioned with him that year back in oh uh, back in oh eight. They were a little disillusioned with Brett Favre. I got to think that season with the twenty two touchdown, twenty two interception season where his shoulder pretty much disappeared. So definitely a lot of storylines coming into the New York Jets game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the Vikings secondary will be f- intact, provided nothing crappy happens in practice. And, you know, knock on wood there. But, uh, nope, there will be no Sidney Rice. Very unlikely that we'll be acquiring any wide receiver of major note in the time being. So, uh, it's a lot of storylines coming into this game. Right now, I, g- I guess I'm going to lean with the Jets 17-14 to 14 right now. With the way the Vikings offense overall has played. And how the the giant the, the with the way the Vikings have played thus far, the Jets don't match up well with the with the Vikings. <laughs> Vikings offense doesn't match up well with the Jets right now. So I guess that's where I'm leaning at this time. Uh, if if I do a show with Purple Mafia again this coming weekend, which which I might do because I mean there's no I, I'd be able to do it maybe Friday or Saturday something. I wouldn't even have to do it on Sunday. Maybe I'll do a deeper preview with the Jets. Um, Oh, maybe you're satisfied with this. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's up to you, obviously, on that. What would you think there? But overall, that's pretty much where I stand right now. I hope the Vikings can win this game because <laughs> one and three is a pretty steep hill to climb. It's been done before, but it ain't easy. It ain't easy. We shall see. So with that, we're going to conclude the show and get to the contact details. Purple Mafia is mentioned, available on thesportstuff.com. There is a message board on thesportstuff.com. There's a button in the upper right-hand corner of the front page that says TSS Board. Simply click on that, then click the link that says Register, and have a simple and uh, yet descriptive type of screen name, I guess we'll say. Something that makes sense, something that isn't doesn't appear like spam, because it will most likely be deleted and you're wasting your own time. But, uh, yeah, a lot, of fun, a lot of fun on those message boards. The the, uh, the actual forums are split up in divisions, so you can discuss the Vikings with, with everybody in, in our division. Not just the Viking fans, but Packer fans and all that good stuff. Bears and Lions as well. Lots of fun. Very good idea by Dylan there. Uh, and then we also have the call-in line, as mentioned, 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It would be great for you to call into that. Uh, leave your name in town. And opine, <laughs> of course, an example would be Anthony from L.A. See, name in town. There you go. Very simple. Brent Jacobson didn't have to mention that, though I'll <laughs> leave it as, uh, he's, yeah, I mean, he's, 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 he's from here in Minnesota. So I believe Bloomington. I could be wrong. Uh, that's up to him, though, what he, what, <laughs> if he wants me to say that or not. Um, 
That's pretty much our thing, Stan. I guess one final contact detail that I don't mention very much, and I probably should more often. You can email me also, paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. Um, I didn't even actually mention the Twitter website. It's twitter.com forward slash purple mafia show. Twitter.com forward slash purple mafia show. Do give me a follow. It's been a fun week on there this week. And of course, the Facebook group. Simply click in the search bar, type in Minnesota Vikings or Purple Mafia Minnesota Vikings. Simply type those in and you'll find it most likely. Again, the likelihood of a Purple Mafia page is coming up very soon, and I will put a link on the Facebook group when that does occur. And, of course, I'll announce it on the show as well. So until then, until possibly two weeks from now, well, hope hope for the best, hope for no freak injuries in practice, and that this team, this offense especially, but this team in general, can get, get some chemistry building from this Detroit victory, and we can move on into the Meadowlands and beat them. Until then, take care.